Okay, well, welcome to the series of mini podcasts. Welcome to everyone here. Thank you for coming and welcome to everyone uh, watching on podcast. So today we're going to do the third one in the logic series and this time we're going to do induction. So um, for an argument to be good, its conclusion, we, you'll remember from one of the other podcasts, must follow from its premises. Um, but we saw in an earlier podcast that there are two sorts of following from. Um, in a deductive argument, the conclusion follows from the premises if the argument is valid. Um, and you'll remember if it's valid, that's because if the premises are true, the conclusion must be true. But in an inductive argument, the conclusion follows from the premises if the truth of the premises raises the probability of the truth of the conclusion. So whereas in a deductive argument, if the premises are true, the conclusion must be true, in an inductive argument, the premises can be true without the conclusions having to be true. The, all the premises do, all the truth of the premises do, is raise the probability of the truth of the conclusion. So um, inductive arguments, whereas validity is an either-or thing, um, inductive strength is a, is a matter of degree. Um, so here's a very weak inductive argument. Every time I've seen Marianne, she's been wearing earrings. I'm seeing Marianne tomorrow. Marianne will be wearing earrings tomorrow. Well, tomorrow is Saturday. Maybe I have a day off from wearing earrings on a Saturday. Um, and here's a strong inductive argument. Every day in the history of the universe, the sun has risen. Tomorrow is another day, tomorrow the sun will rise. Well, if it's really every day in the history of the universe, then that looks to be a strong inductive argument. So in each of these arguments, the conclusion follows from the premises. But whereas these two premises raise the probability of that conclusion to a certain degree, um, these two premises raise the probability of that conclusion to a much greater degree. So inductive strength is a matter of degree, not either or. And even if the likelihood of the truth of the conclusion is significantly raised by the truth of the premises, it could still be false. Induction doesn't give us certainty as deduction does. So even if we look at this argument, which is inductively very strong indeed, we can see that that might be true and that might be true, yet without that being true. Probably, possibly by tomorrow the sun will have blown up um, and it won't rise tomorrow. So the falsehood of the conclusion is consistent with the truth of the premises in an inductive argument, but not uh, a, deductive, a valid deductive argument. Um, and that's because inductive reasoning depends on the principle of the uniformity of nature, the idea that the future will be like the past. Um, and this, the idea that the future will be like the past can't be justified without um, circularity. So if you say, well, well, you do always, every time you put the kettle on in the morning, uh, you're assuming that the future is going to be like the past. You're assuming that once again, your kettle is going to boil. Um, well, maybe this is the time your kettle won't boil, no matter how high you raise the temperature. Most unlikely, I think you'll agree. So, but why do you think that the future is going to be like the past? Probable answer is because it's always been like the past in the past. But do you see that, that that's a circular justification? Because 
you're using the past to justify claims about the future again. So any inductive argument um, is inductive because it rests on the principle of the uh, uniformity of nature. Um, oops, I've gone backwards. Um, and it's very important that it doesn't make induction inferior that it doesn't give us certainty. Some people think that if deduction gives us certainty and induction gives us only less than certainty, there's something inferior about induction. But that's not the case. It's just different. It's not inferior. And, and here's uh, an inductive argument and a deductive argument, just to see that. Do you see that this one's a, an inductive argument? So that's a white swan, you see a white swan. That's a white swan, you see another white swan. And then you think, well, actually, all the swans I've seen have been white. Therefore, all swans are white. So you're inductively inferring a generalization about all swans from all your observations of swans. Um, now, here you're deductively saying all swans are white. The creature in the next room is a swan. Therefore, the creature in the next room will be white. Do you see that's a deductive argument in that if that's true and that's true, that must be true. But if that's true, that's true and that's true, that could still be false, couldn't it? Um, because all the swans you've observed doesn't actually necessarily cover all swans in the world uh, or in the universe. So this one, this argument rests on the principle of the uniformity of nature, the idea that if all the swans that you haven't seen are like the swans you have seen, then they'll all be white. But this one doesn't rest on the uniformity of nature because here you're simply stating all swans are white. And if that's true, and that's true, then that must be true. But of course, we've, we've, you've still got to say to yourself, well, how do you know that? And of course, well, how would we know that? What, what would be our justification for a claim like all swans are white, probably? It would be something like that, wouldn't it? Um, so there's nothing inferior about induction, even though it doesn't give us certainty. Um, we rely on induction in almost everything we do, um, often successfully and without question. Um, but in evaluating inductive arguments, we've got to use our judgment in a way that we don't have to use it with deduction, because deduction is an either-or matter. OK, well, there are different types of inductive arguments, and here, here are four types. There are arguments from analogy, arguments from authority, uh, inductive generalizations and causal generalizations. Let's have a look at all these. Here are, uh, this is an argument from analogy. So Jennifer liked my pen. This pen is similar to mine. Jennifer will like this pen. Can you see how that rests on the principle of the uniformity of nature? So Jennifer liked my pen. This similar pen is similar to my pen. Well, if Jennifer in the future likes the things she liked in the past, she should like this pen. So that's an argument from analogy. And it's analogy because it rests on a similarity claim. Now, this one's an argument from authority. Einstein said that nothing goes faster than the speed of light. Einstein is an authority on physics. Therefore, nothing goes faster than the speed of light. Um, 
again, that rests on authority rather than analogy. Um, and here's how to evaluate arguments from analogy. So if we first thing we want to ask, as with any argument at all, whenever you're evaluating an argument, one of the first things you look for is, is the premise true or are the premises true? So if you're looking at this one, if these two premises are not true, then you've got no reason to believe the conclusion at all. If the premises are true, they raise the probability of the conclusion, though, as we know, it isn't certain. So the first question to ask is, is the premise true? Um, second question to ask when evaluating an argument from analogy is, is there a similarity? Um, so this pen is similar to mine. Well, is that true? In what way is the pen similar? Um, to mine, the one that Jennifer liked before. And the next question is, is the similarity relevant? Okay, well, maybe um, this pen is similar to mine in that they were both bought by um, Steve, let's say. Well, in that case, perhaps the, the similarity isn't relevant. It's there, but perhaps it isn't relevant because after all, if Jennifer liked the look of the pen, then the fact that it was bought by Steve is irrelevant. But if she liked um, the fact that the pen was red and this pen is similar because it's also red, then the similarity is relevant. Um, how strong is the similarity? The more alike this pen is to the pen that Jennifer liked, the more likely it is that Jennifer is going to like it. So um, have a look at the strength of the similarity. The more points of similarity, the stronger the analogy. And are there any relevant disanalogies? So is there anything significantly different about my pen and this pen? If so, that might mean that the uh, probability of the conclusion isn't raised very much, even if the um, premises are true. OK, let's have a look at evaluating arguments from authority. So going back to this one, this is authority. Um, the one about Einstein. Let's see what questions we've got to ask here. Firstly, again, is the premise true? Again, and always, we've got to ask, is the premise true? Um, second question we've got to ask is, is the person cited an expert in this area? Well, we're all prepared to accept that Einstein is an authority on physics, um, but that doesn't mean he's an authority on politics. So the fact that Einstein was a pacifist um, doesn't necessarily mean that pacifism is right. Even if we'll accept his authority on physics, we won't necessarily accept his authority elsewhere. Um, so he's got to be not only an expert, but an expert in the particular area of the argument. The other thing we've got to ask is, is the expert biased? Um, we might have an expert on television um, in an example uh, using razor blades or something. There was a chap who was... Um, put forward as an expert, wasn't there? And you might ask, well, how much are they paying him to do this advertisement? Um, when he gives his um, recommendation for this particular product, um, and it's a, an area in his area of expertise, could he be biased? Could it be that we shouldn't listen to him? 
And finally, we might ask whether he's representative, because physicists differ on a lot of things. Perhaps this expert um, is, is an expert who holds a minority view. So whenever the BBC gets to get people together to talk about climate change, for example, you'll often have a scientist who speaks against climate change. And yes, he's an expert. Um, he may or may not be biased, let's say he's not biased, but is he representative? Again, you've got to ask yourself, perhaps he's, he's a dissenter on this particular opinion. Um, here's an inductive generalisation, and on the other side, a causal generalisation. This is an inductive generalisation. Whenever I've tried to ring BT, it's taken me hours to get through. Uh, therefore, when I ring BT today, it'll take me hours to get through. So I'm inductively inferring from this premise to this conclusion. Perfectly reasonably, I think you'll agree. Um, this is a causal generalisation. Statistics say that married men live longer than single men. In other words, there's a correlation between being married and living longer um, between men who are married. Um, therefore, being married, if male, causes you to live longer. So here we're inferring from a correlation to a causal relationship. Let's have a look at how to um, evaluate these. So again, first question always, is the premise true? Second question is, how large is the sample? Um, let's say that whenever I've tried to ring BT, it's taken me hours to get through, but I've actually only tried twice. Um, I just get very annoyed very, very easily. Um, and so in each, on each of these two occasions, but I think you'll agree that the fewer the number of occasions on which I've tried to ring BT, the less um, credence we should attach to the conclusion of that argument. Um, and we might also ask, is the sample typical? I mean, was I trying to ring BT at two o'clock in the morning um, rather than at two o'clock in the afternoon? If I was, then maybe, again, I shouldn't infer from that premise to that conclusion. And evaluating causal generalisations, finally, uh, start off, of course, with is the premise true? Um, second question we ask is how strong is the correlation? Um, OK, there's correlation between um, men being married and men living a long time. But, how? I mean, is the correlation only about... 60% of men who are married live longer, um, or is it stronger than that? Um, and the stronger the correlation, the better the argument here. Um, could the correlation be accidental? Um, sometimes correlations are accidental. When I was an undergraduate, we always talked about striking a match and a pineapple falling from a tree. Um, you think, well, even if there was a perfect correlation throughout the whole history of the universe between somebody striking a match and a pineapple falling from a tree, on the whole, you still think that correlation is accidental. You can't see how there would be a mechanism to underpin a causal relationship between those two types of events. Um, you might also ask, could the causal relationship work the other way around? Could it be that men who live longer, uh, or sorry, men who are going to live longer, get married? Perhaps there's something genetic that genetically inclines people to get married and also inclines them to live longer. That's the third one. So could the correlation be caused by a third thing that's attached to, that causes both the other two, which explains why the other two are correlated rather than 
um, that there's a causal relation between those two. So, okay, there you are. That's induction, and that's quickly four different inductive arguments and how to evaluate each of them. And there's the slide telling us a bit more about how to find out more.